1: Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
0: I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing playing With Science. Science. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing Playing With Science. Science. Today we'll be taking a look at the science that is making golf swings that much sweeter. Keeping them out of the parking lot and hopefully on the fairway.
2: Yes, with any luck that is. (laughs) Yeah, maybe not. Not going to happen. And giving us the lowdown on what it takes to make that happen, we'll first chat with one of the world's leading sports technologists and golf biomechanics expert, Dr.
0: Phil Cheatham. And to boot, he's a former Olympic gymnast. Nice, absolutely. Can't wait to have that conversation. Um, after that, we'll be getting the pros' eye view. Yes, with PGA Championship golfer Rob Labritz from New York State. So a packed show. But Chuck, here we go. First question: mm-hmm. What do you fancy? Hole in one, or do we uh, go for placement? Well,
2: you know, I I'm the kind of guy that always loves a good hole in one. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, no. But but I I actually going to play the percentages. To be honest, uh, uh, a hole in one is so unlikely. Um, actually getting it in the whole period for me is so unlikely. I don't even play golf. I play a game called Look for the Ball in the Bushes. So <laughs> you judge around by the number of it, balls you use. That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but see, I when I played, and it was a long time ago before I sold my golf clubs, not in a fit of rage, but too much spinal surgery meant mm-hmm. that I couldn't I mean maybe we'll get into that with, yeah, we uh, need to. with Dr. Phil Cheatham. It was just a case of can I, how can I, how can I address the ball in my mind using techniques that maybe I'd learned as a soccer player? Really? But, yeah, so you're just thinking about, can I transfer that stuff? The answer was quite simple. No, Gary, no. you can't because you're, <laughs> you're not a natural golfer. Right. It's a stick. That's not a ball Any that you can recognize. So that's where we were. So, you know, this is what needs to happen. We need to find out how you get a golfer and turn him into an elite athlete, a guy who can destroy golf courses. Hmm. And I think the best person to speak to is Dr. Phil Cheatham.
2: Yes, Dr. Phil. (laughs) Dr. Phil, don't you hate that? Dr. Phil Cheatham, are you there?
3: Yes, I am. And that's funny you should say that because (laughs) as soon as I got my PhD, people started calling me Dr. Phil and I'm like, oh, darn it. I didn't realize that was going to happen. But (laughs) now I get called Dr. Phil all the time.
2: Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, you know.
0: You work with (laughs) not just golfers. You work with a range of elite athletes, do you not?
3: Yes, I work at the Olympic Training Center in Chula Vista, just south of San Diego, for the U.S. Olympic Committee. And uh, our charge is to make our athletes better, help them become better, and win more medals at the Olympics. It's simple as that. So I work with uh, several sports, um, track and field being the main one currently. Okay. And uh, mm. have worked with trampoline and gymnastics and maybe we'll work, be working with uh, diving in the future, too. Wow. So, listen, and swimming, you know, there's a lot of sports we work with.
2: That's great. And uh, at the risk of, of seeming somewhat forward because we haven't even be, begun to, got to, to get through this show. But uh, with that kind of expertise, do you mind if we call on you again and bring uh, you I'm, back for I'm some of the other to- subjects that we talk about?
3: Let's see
0: how it goes today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Dr. Phil oh, the diplomat. Putting the pressure <laughs> no, on us. No. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> he just slammed that one back at us, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. So okay, fair enough. Well, that's good. Competition.
2: Let's, let's start off really simple here, though, Dr. Phil, because um, there may be some people out there that don't know what biomechanics is all about. So can you explain to us what it is that you do as a doctor with biomechanics? What is it?
3: Well, firstly, just let me say that I am doctor, uh, PhD, not a medical doctor. So my PhD is in sport biomechanics, as we're talking right now. Hmm. And sport biomechanics basically is the physics of human movement. We look at how people move, and we try to make it not just as efficient as possible, but as effective as possible. Make them uh, move the way that's going to achieve their goal, achieve the end result, And do it in a way that they're not going to injure themselves Mm. or or at least lessen the chances of injury. Because when you're a a peak performance athlete, injury is always, you know, on your right shoulder um, and on your left shoulder is performance. So basically, we're looking at performance improvement with reduced injury uh, possibilities.
0: Is that something you have to tailor to each particular golfer?
3: Yes, absolutely. Each particular golfer, each particular athlete, there are. there's no question that there's basic principles of human motion. I mean, if you jump off a cliff, you fall and hit the bottom. There are certain physical principles that being here on Earth, we cannot avoid. But that being said, everybody's built differently. Everybody's mm-hmm. got a different structure, different makeup different muscles even even when we do a similar motion a lot of people use different muscles than each other so the way you you learned it is the way we try to tailor it because one of the things that's very very difficult is once you've learned something is to reprogram it in a different manner it's better to kind of tailor it rather than reprogram it really um,
2: so I, i i was very i'm very surprised to hear that because uh a lot of times you'll hear coaches talk about how you have to unlearn something in order to learn it correctly like i'm thinking um which might be similar to a golf swing which is a football mechanics quarterback the mechanics of throwing a football Mm -hmm. and you'll have coaches say oh this guy see how he drops his elbow it's like you know we we've got to show him he's got to unlearn that and then learn the proper fundamental mechanics and then we can move on you're saying it's better to just tailor that? and
3: No, I'm saying that it's very, very difficult to unlearn something. Oh, okay. Once you've learned it and once you've spent many, many, many hours doing that, and then another mm. coach comes along and says, well, I don't like the way you're doing that. We're going to do it this way. Gotcha. Now your your brain has got two programs, one for the previous way you did it and one for the new way you did it. And the danger of that is when you get in a stressful situation, like in a competition in the final round where you're leading or, or somebody's nipping at your heels, yeah. quite often that stress brings out the old familiar motion pattern. The body ah. says, oh, oh, I know this one. I feel more comfortable with this motion pattern, so this is the one I'm going to do. As a gymnast, I found that quite often. I would learn a skill. And, and if you learned it the wrong way to start with, um, sometimes that would come back and you'd be in trouble. So there's no question. It's it's better to learn something the correct way first, then learn it incorrectly, and then try to relearn it later on, especially if you're, in, you know, they say you can't teach old dogs new tricks. Right, That's partially true, um, but, you know, you have to try and st- stay on the right path, learn it the right way first, and ingrain the correct technology. You know, there's, it's not, Practice. It's
0: perfect practice. Oh, oh interesting. I, and that's that's a maxim I'm sure you've used before. I'm just thinking to get, and everyone wants the perfect swing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, no matter how often you can't get close to it, the objective is to aim for it. Are you saying that to enable a golfer to get closer to that perfection, you're going to have to approach it mentally first before you can even get to the biomechanics to get that golfer to rely upon what you're saying and to break away those bad habits?
3: Well, I guess I wouldn't, I, I, I would slightly disagree. There's no okay. question in your head you have to be on, on point. But the bottom line is if your body learned it the correct way in the first place, then your head can be just more more in line with what mm. you're doing because your head is now confident. Oh, I got this. I know how to do this. I've been doing this for thousands and thousands of hours, many, many years, and, and the motion is ingrained. The head gets in the way. I mean, uh, I have uh, I work a lot with diving, and you can see uh, the divers sometimes getting themselves psyched out, and, and then they get stiffer, they get tighter, and the body doesn't move the same way. But if you're confident, and I won't say relaxed. Relaxed is definitely what you don't want to be. You don't want to be relaxed. You want to be focused, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and focused relaxation, if you like. Yeah. But uh, if you can get to that point, then you're confident, You go ahead and let your body do it, clear your mind, and let your body take over. Wow, Um, that's… But it has to be pre-programmed.
0: Okay, from the point of view of the biomechanics, if I gave you, in terms of a golfer, a clean sheet of paper, how would you build from the bottom up from the golf swing to give that perfect… So starting with the feet and then ending with impact and then the follow-through. How can you talk us through the perfect swing from that?
3: Yeah, well, being a biomechanist, I, I like to start from the foundation. There's a thing called uh, the leading joint hypothesis by a, a professor of mine who was on my Ph.D. committee called Dr. Doniskaya from Arizona State University, mm-hmm. and she's coined that term, leading joint hypothesis. And what that really means is that in, in most motions, most especially skillful motions, there's one joint in the body that's the key joint, the prime mover, if you like, and it's the one that drives the motion to start with. So that's where, in my opinion, that's where you should start. Um, in, in golf, it's the legs and the pelvis action. Um, and that leads me to what's called the kinematic sequence or the kinetic link. Yeah. We want to start from the ground or, or the pelvis starts the motion, the muscles. By the way, a, a lot of people say, oh, the motion comes from the ground. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of not true because ground doesn't do anything. Ground just sits there. Mm-hmm. You're on top of the ground and you've got to drive into the ground. So your muscles... Are what creates the motion, and that muscular action has to happen in a nice, even, uh, effective sequence, sequential sequence. Yeah. Um, where the pelvis starts the rotation. This is like in the in the downswing. The pelvis starts the rotation. The shoulders and the thorax or the rib cage follows. Then the arms. Then the club. And so it's this smooth acceleration action into the downswing and surprisingly enough it's an actually an acceleration deceleration motion that causes the club to hit the ball at its most uh, i guess effective or fastest in order to increase speed we need to have this sequential motion that that happens from the, the top of the ba- down uh, top of the backswing so the pelvis accelerate and then they actually decelerate they slow down as the the rib cage accelerates because the rib cage turns on top of the pelvis and when it rotates rapidly there's a principle in physics called action-reaction. You may have heard it. It's one of Newton's laws. Mm -hmm. And so as you turn towards the downswing with your upper body uh, you can imagine a bungee cord going across from one side of your uh, rib cage to your pelvis and that bungee cord pulls to pull the rib cage. It has to pull against something so it's pulling against the hips. So that tends to slow them down. So you see this beautiful acceleration, deceleration. Then the same happens with the shoulder and the arm. When you release the arm, that actually pulls on the shoulder, slows the shoulders down a little bit. And then the same happens with the club. When you release the wrist, the action of the club swinging out actually slows the arm. So you see this acceleration, deceleration. In fact, everything, the major parts of the body decelerate into the downswing. The only thing that, sorry, into impact, the only thing that actually accelerates is the club itself, hmm. hopefully peeking out at uh, impact.
2: So speaking of that, where does the power in a swing come from? Is it is it the strength of the golfer? Is it technique? Is it using the proper club? Is it the club head? What, what exactly creates the power in the drive? Well, I'm
3: going to... I'm going to take the easy answer and say all of the above. <laughs> I mean that—that's right. why, that's why it's—it's it's a beautiful sequence. It's mm-hmm. all got to happen, and it's all got to happen together. You've got to have a strong body. Um, I, I you know, to me, golf is a sport, uh, not just a game. Yeah. I mean, if you want to make it a game, that's fine. If you're the weekend warrior and you like just playing for fun, that's fine. Have a beer at the 19th hole, yeah. But. If you're an elite athlete, and and I'm used to working with elite athletes, tour pros and Olympic athletes, you've got to look after your body. You've got to train your body. You've got to be strong. You've got to be powerful. The downswing takes only a quarter of a second to go from Hmm. zero miles per hour to 120 miles per hour. That's an incredible acceleration. That's about 20 Gs, if you like, the club head is is going through. So you've got to be explosive. You've got to be powerful. But that being said, you can't just be a, you know, a, an upper body muscle man. You have to be flexible. You have to be strong and flexible. And one of the misnomers I find is people think that if you work out and get strong, that necessarily means you're going to get tight and less flexible. And that's not true. Uh, in modern day training, the the, the athletic trainers and the Therapists and the people that make you strong, they know how to keep you flexible at the same time. So, so you can be strong and flexible.
2: So would you say, I mean, because you have guys that are very uh, mus- muscular. Yeah. Uh, you know, really, like, top-heavy, and lots of, you know... Linebackers. Ar- linebackers. Yeah. Ar- lots of arm strength, can't hit, can't hit the ball as far. So how does the flexibility and the strength combination play into slapping that ball, you know, uh, 273 yards or something like that. <laughs>
3: Maybe 320, 330 perhaps. But, but, yeah, I think that was a good lead-in right there. Um, if you are strong and, and very strong in the upper body and you just try to, try to muscle it, try to force it, it's not going to happen. You can get so much more power by the sequence of the pelvis, ribcage, lead arm club. And if you do that in the right manner, it's like cracking the whip. You can throw the whip mm. as hard as you like, but unless you tap it right at the last second, it's not going to drive through. Think of, uh, let's see, what's a what's a good analogy here? There's several good analogies for the kinematic sequence, but think of a rocket ship. You've got the stage one, which is like the, the legs and the pelvis, and that stage one lifts the whole rocket, but the whole rocket initially, you can see it taking off uh, from Cape Canaveral and, and it's going it looks like it's going really really slowly. It's amazing, right? But then yeah. the next stage fires so all the power is in the lower body the big muscles The arms and, and the wrists are, are not the big muscles compared to the glutes and the, and the lower body and the abs and that sort of thing Those are powerful muscles that get it going and um, they're not moving that fast But they're creating the power to transmit that energy to the next body segment then it goes to stage two Which is smaller now so it's faster because it can transfer the momentum better uh, the smaller momentum, a smaller mass faster larger momentum and so on down the line until you get right to the club which obviously is the lightest and so all that energy gets transferred into the club and the speed increases significantly wow interesting
0: doctor that you mentioned just a while ago when you were describing the the sequence that when the club face connects the moment of impact that's when the club is moving at its fastest now that's timing yes, well, we, because quite often a, so. yeah because quite often a golfer swing will the speed will be diminishing at that point of impact so is it that the elite golfer knows exactly when to time that to, to the point of impact with maximum yes. speed
3: yes and, and that's a that again a good an excellent question because we have what's called 3d motion analysis 3d motion capture yes. and that's what i'm a, an expert at and that's what i've done for the past 30 years and we use that motion analysis technique or that motion analysis system to measure these and when we're looking at novices in the kinematic sequence quite often and we see the velocity of the club as you say diminish or decrease before impact And so, basically, you'd have to put the ball back about a foot or two for them to have it at maximum speed. But obviously, that's not going to happen because that's not the bottom of the swing either. Um, So it takes a a good, efficient, effective, precise swing to be able to hit the ball, um, well, I won't say at peak speed because it's interesting. If you use a motion analysis system and you look at the swing speed of the club head, and they just do a free swing, uh, an air swing, if you like, you'll see that the peak swing, peak speed of the club is usually after impact. And so what happens is, of course, the peak speed is normally going to be at impact because when it collides with the ball, the ball slows the club head down and drops the speed by 40 to 50% immediately because of the collision. But we see that the club head speed is usually increasing or just... Um, reaching its peak velocity at impact, one of those two conditions usually applies or always applies with a pro.
0: Doctor, you mentioned the 3D analysis and it obviously has a massive impact upon a game, but is there any other technology that's beginning to emerge or that is now in play that can really dramatically improve a golfer's game, be it the long game or the short game?
3: Well, again, I'm going to be biased because I'm a biomechanist. I'm not a sports psychologist or or a physiologist. Mm -hmm. So as far as I'm concerned, my area of expertise is in the motion side of it. So there's there's two types of motion or there's two parts of the motion. We want to look at the input and the output. So the input is what your body does. And the output is, of course, what the ball does when it's in the air. So there's technology for looking at both of those. You've got the radar devices like the TrackMan and FlightScope and there's several other different versions that watch the flight of the ball, the spin of the ball, the direction, the distance, all of that type of thing. That technology is very, uh, should I say, is evolving very rapidly and getting more and more accurate. Um, so but the that uses Doppler now,
0: radar, does it not? The it uh, does. The TrackMan, it does yeah. It
3: indeed. Now, the golf ball, obviously, with spin, it'll do all kinds of different things depending on the spin axis. So with, with the TrackMan and FlightScope, we can look at that and we can fine-tune that. Now, how do we fine-tune that? Well, we've got to come back and look at the body motion. And that immediately brings us back to full-body motion analysis systems Uh, I developed a system many years ago called the AMM 3D system, and that tracks the full body, what we call six degrees of freedom of motion, Mm. how you move not just forward, backward, left, right, but how you tilt forward, how you tilt sideways, and how you turn. All of those things make up six degrees of freedom. And if we can get six degrees of freedom motion of every part of your body, then we can basically measure anything we want from the center of gravity motion to just a simple joint motion. And the problem with that technology right now and where I see it heading in the future, the problem right now is it's too invasive. By that I mean you have to stick those markers on people, the, the, the little ping pong balls that you see Tiger Woods having on or, or when they're doing basketball shots and when they're making video games. That's kind of invasive because you have to suit the person up and it takes you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes to get that done. What I see happening in the future um, is the ability to do that with just what I like to call a magic camera. You point the camera at the person, and with uh, artificial intelligence methods, it figures out where the person's body is, it figures out where the joints are, and it automatically gives you that 3D avatar from which you can then measure all the angles and the velocities and the distances that you want. Oh, that's, that's very cool, that sounds incredible. So, look, yeah.
0: Doctor, would you mind? We are going to take a break, but we, we can't let you go. You're far too interesting. Absolutely, <laughs> and six six degrees of freedom, Chuck. Yeah, I believe we're going to have Will Smith starring that. We've have a hit yeah. on our hands. Uh, yeah, yeah there you it's go. definitely that's that's got a movie that's movie title written all over it. Okay, we are going to take a break. The good Doctor Doctor Phil Cheatham will be with us when we return. If this has got your attention, stick around. Welcome back to Playing With Science. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And we are taking a look at the golf swing, but not just any golf swing. A man that can make you the sweetest swing you've ever seen. Dr. Phil Cheatham. Chuck, tell the people exactly what our man is.
2: Yes, Dr. Phil Cheatham, who is a doctor of biomechanics. Is that right, Dr. Phil?
3: That is correct, Yeah, And
2: you are also the uh, sports technologist for the U.S. Olympics Committee And they're biomechanics experts, so we're talking to the right person. We are. So here's what I'd like to do. Uh, uh, One of the things that I hear all the time, not just from the PGA tour when the news comes out, but from regular golfers, and that is back injuries. Back injuries are always like the biggest. Lower back. Lower back. biggest news. Why is it that so many golfers injure their back?
3: Well, we kind of uh, touched on it a little bit earlier Mm -hmm. about how fast that clubhead is going and how slow or zero velocity at the top of the backswing. So basically, the golf swing is an explosive motion. And typically, golfers are not trained to handle that explosive motion. And what we do in biomechanics is we try to improve performance, but improving performance It's a balancing act. You're risking injury at the same time. Hmm. So we've got six degrees of freedom. As I mentioned earlier, we've got six degrees of motion or six types of motion going on simultaneously Mm -hmm. in the lower back as we do the backswing and the downswing. We've got left and right shift. We've got forward and backward thrust, and we've got up and down lift. But not only that, surprisingly enough, your pelvis is moving anteriorly and posteriorly. In other words, it's tilting t- forward and backward. Right, yep. and it's tilting. It's tilting left and right, and it's rotating all simultaneously. So you've got those three rotations happening as you turn from the top of the backswing into the downswing. So that puts an enormous stress on the lower uh, the lower back itself. One perfect example of, of where this happens is in that, forward-backward motion or the forward-backward tilting of the pelvis. Yeah. It goes at the top of the backswing as we start the downswing. It's like you sit on a bar stool, basically. You, you kind of stick your butt out, you tilt your pelvis forward, and you shift to the left or to the lead side. And then you tighten your abs as tight as you can to create and transmit energy to the rib cage. Mm-hmm. So what that means is all of that, all of that tension is going through your lower back. And we don't. This this is where I'll get on my soapbox now. Please we, do, please do. We don't strengthen our gon- our golfers enough. Again, I said it earlier. It's not just a game; it's a sport, and so you have to be prepared for that. And so I think if we did more physical conditioning, because you you put together the weekend golfer who just goes and plays, you know, 18 holes or maybe even 36 holes on Saturday, mm-hmm. and then sits in front of the computer. Um, The rest of the week. Right. And doesn't doesn't do any conditioning because, oh, I'm just going to play a round of golf and then I'm going to have a a beer with my buddies. Well, you think now he's probably got a decent speed swing, maybe maybe 90, 100 miles an hour. And that's putting a lot of tension. There's something called
2: tension tension that he's not used to. Exactly, T- know, tension that his body for. isn't accustomed. So, to what, dealing what with. would
0: you recommend? I mean, I, it's a bit of a broad spectrum you know solution for, for for your uh, weekend warrior, as it, you would call
2: him. It sounded to me from your description of what was going on that in order to, uh, to in order to diminish injury, you really need to do some core training. Like you really need to yeah. strengthen your core as much as you can uh, before you get out there and start just willy nilly swinging a, uh, a a hammer.
3: You hit the nail on the head, and not just before, but but while. In other words, keep keep that keep that workout going. Uh, You know, go play golf on Saturday and Sunday, but work out on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And as you say, core strength is is enormously important. Not just linear core strength. In other words, not just lifting straight up and down in what we would call a sagittal or a front-to-back plane. But rotational motion as exactly. well. Exactly. So yeah. So you got to do those those side to side exercises, those turning exercises. Right. You know, get yourself as strong as possible, and that will protect you.
2: Oh, interesting. And uh, the other thing that came to my mind while you were making your description is, uh, you know, about going forward, back, and the way you tilt your pelvis and stick your butt out. Have you ever heard <laughs> of twerking? Have you ever heard of twerking, doctor? <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, if you can practice
2: twerking, that's gonna
0: help your golf. Game. <laughs> you heard it here first on Play With Edge. <laughs> this,
2: this is what you will find no place else. Okay, twerking helps your golf game.
0: Get to it, people. The road to the PGA Championship <laughs> title is it through twerking. Goes right
2: through twerking.
0: Have we seen a human being hit the ball as far as they possibly can? Or do you no. think? Oh, we haven't. Simple answer: no. No. What do you no, think I we can it. get distance-wise? Well, I-
3: well, what do I think we can do? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know what that number is going to be, but uh, you know, it's the long drive guys. I just, i just learning to really be long drive. I'm. It's, it's, it's exciting for me being here at the Olympic Training Center because I see some very, very um, elite athletes, and with the shot putters, the javelin throwers, the discus throwers, the hammer throwers, I see some big, big people. Yeah. Um. For sure. our shot putters are six foot four six six foot seven, 300 pounds Wow um, so imagine um, one of these guys and they like to play golf imagine when he's retired from his uh, shot put career he says oh I think I'll go and swing the club a little bit. These guys if they can learn the sequence of the golf swing which is not too different from the sequence of the, of the shot put I mean for example you can't throw a shot put, Um, by just using your arm. That's not going to happen. That's why these guys are so big, because they use their body to get into it. So we can see in the future, I think, and, you know, you've seen guys like Tim Burke, and, oh, on the other hand, you've got Jamie Zdlowski, who's a small guy. So you've got power versus efficiency right there. But if you put somebody together, like if you put a Tim Burke and a Jamie Zdlowski, like, together, and and you have a big guy, a really big guy, with... um, perfect sequence then it's going to fly another hundred yards i wow. think you know 400 something like that i um, can't wait yeah. to
2: see a six foot seven 300 pound pro golfer i can't wait to see that happen i will actually watch every single match it's gonna, gonna go down, that, down to that, augusta and yeah, eat it oh exactly it's just that'd be amazing it's just <laughs> like oh uh, i, I want to see a golfer who can actually scare the crowd as much as he can excite them.
3: <laughs> now, that, that's funny you should say that because that would, that would I agree, that would be terribly exciting to me. I, I do a lot of blogs and things on Facebook, and I have a my own website called skilledmotion.com, and we talk about that sort of thing there. And I, one of the things I've talked about often is that golfers are athletes and need to be athletes. Yeah. And, man, I get a lot of pushback on that. This guy's saying, "Oh, you don't need to be strong to hit the ball 300 yards and to, you know, score two or three or four under par or whatever and have a decent round." And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, that's true to have a decent round, but I'm not talking about a decent round. I'm talking about a phenomenal round, and I don't think we've we've seen that yet. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got extraordinary people like Spieth and McElroy and you know Fowler, mm. and certainly." Um, uh, Woods in his uh, heyday, right? But I think that uh, there's some young kids there that are waiting in the background that are just coming, going to come up and shock us in the future. We're seeing that now in in all the sports. And the excitement. Well, we are looking forward to that. Yeah, the totally absolutely. jacked pro golfer,
0: the perfect beast with a golf
2: club. I can't wait as long mm. as he's not doing roids because I, uh, roid rage and golf clubs do
0: not mix. There's just, a, that's well, going to be sure. an awfully busy, busy lake where all those clubs <laughs> are going to land. Good stuff, man. Thank you. Very, very Dr. Good Phil Cheatham. Absolutely wonderful. I'm just captivated by that. Yeah. Thank, thank you for your thank time. Thank you for joining
3: us. Yeah. You're welcome. Brilliant.
2: Thank you. Well, speaking of the pros, we've got to take a break, right? We have. And we have a pro coming up.
0: Yeah, we do. So uh, stick with us. Rob Laberitz, PGA Championship golfer, will be our guest when we get back. This is Playing Science. And uh, as I said, back shortly. Welcome back. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck nice. And this is Playing Played With, with science. science. Yes, today we're breaking down the science and biomechanics of the perfect golf swing. Yeah. So there you go. We've heard from the sport technologist and biomechanic Dr. Phil Cheatham. Dr. Phil is known to us now and everybody else. And now joining us to give us the pro's eye view is Rob Labritz. Rob, welcome to the show. Hey Rob, how are you?
4: Hey, doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. You're welcome. Damn, you
0: recently won the PDA Westchester Championship. Congratulations, my friend. Congratulations uh, thank you very much.
4: It's been yeah. a, good, yeah, a good year
2: so far. So, you know, where we left off when we were talking Dr. to Phil. Dr. Phil Cheatham yeah. was he was talking about the fact that we're not seeing these physical specimens that will one day be in the game. Do you agree that... If a guy is in really super like top shape that where we may see like super golfers at some point,
4: you know, it, it, genetics has a lot to do with it nowadays. And, and the pool of people, since more people are starting to come into the game, you know, from from other areas, you know, you're going to get some really talented, strong, strong people that are going to play the game. Uh, sure. Uh, but you know, you look at guys like Rory McIlroy. Now, I've played in five major championships myself, and uh, the last one was uh, you know Baltus Raw last year at the PGA Championship, and uh, I teed off right behind Rory in the practice round when they were doing the long drive you know contest. And and here's Rory. You know, he's a small little guy. Yeah. But yet he, yeah, but yet he's just massively muscular. Oh. Um, and I'm I'm kind of like the opposite. I'm I'm tall and lanky. I've I've been working out for about 14 to 15 years now, and I just really work on um, you know, strength and flexibility. I'm not trying to get big. Uh, I'm I'm six feet, 170, you know, 172. Very lanky, but I can, you know, I can bend my body in any way, and, mm-hmm. and have pretty fast twitch muscles. But to answer your question, you're going to get pools of guys and gals that are going to be a lot bigger than your average tour players, and sure, they're going to they're going to start hitting the ball farther and farther, and and it's going to make it easier and easier.
0: Wow, that's so, super cool. Uh, the secret to distance isn't just the guy with the big, or the girl with the big muscles, it's got to be about how you execute your technique, how you execute your swing. Looking at that as a pro yourself for for all the years you have, what is the most fundamental, most vital part of that swing to you? Yeah.
4: So, you know, for me, it's uh, stability. Um, I'm I'm a big uh, believer in less is more um, the golf swing starts from the ground up. Uh, so you have to be stable. You have to have a strong foundation and then you've got to know what you're doing, you know, with the golf club, taking it back. But, um, if you have a super strong you know, foundation and know how to use your, you know, use your body properly, um, you can hit the ball very far. And obviously genetics has a lot to do with it too. Mm. The faster twitching muscles, you know, you can hit the ball far, like a Justin Thomas. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: Um, I mean, these kids right now, they're tall and late. You look at him. He's He's, what, 6'2", but he's, you know, probably 150 pounds, but he hits the ball 360 yards. Yeah, um, that's, that's
0: you know, a distance. You
2: know. Yeah. So kind of piggybacking on what Gary just asked you, what are the key differences between the long game and the short game? Is it more mental? Is it more physical? Because, you know, you know dr- drive for show, putt for dough, you hear all these kind of things, <laughs> you know. So w- w- when it comes to being a champion uh, in golf, what is more important is, and and, how, and what are the key differences?
4: Well, you know, I think each player out there has uh, certain strengths and certain weaknesses. If everybody was was a great, you know, off the tee, great middle iron, great short game, great putter, they'd win all the time. Yeah. Um, and it really, you know, the way it is, is all the guys out there, you know, and some of the top, you know, club professionals on the world, you know, all have, you know, great golf swings. They They hit the ball very far it really comes down to who's making enough putts that week and who obviously gets, you know, some of the good breaks. Um, you know, for me, when I practice, you know, I still compete very hard uh, up in this section and, and, you know, still try to play in some majors. But, um, you know, for me, it's really just most of my practice is bulked into the short game, any, anything inside 100 yards. Um, I'd say 85% of my time uh, is, is focused inside 100 yards, and the other 15% is, is working on my golf swing. Um, you know, and that includes, you know, obviously, you know, working out and all that stuff, but going unsaying.
0: Have you ever come across a game, a, a player who, a male, male or female here, uh, that short game was just uncrushable because it does, oh. it's just so obviously in the head as well as the the, the technique, but ever, ever seen someone who you just said this is in the hole before the ball even gets placed down?
4: Yeah, Ben Crenshaw did a lot of that. I mean, he was one of the greatest putters that ever, lead, you know, you know play the game um but yeah definitely there's there's guys who have so much confidence in certain areas of their game and they don't have confidence in other areas of the game some of my students are the same way um i'm kind of that guy too whereas i'm a very very good ball striker uh extremely good around the greens and putting gets hot and cold with me uh if i putt well i win if i don't putt well i finish in the top 10 at least at the club professional level Um, and then when I'm, I have to play well to, uh, you know, to make cuts in in majors and stuff, which I, which I did a few years ago, but, um, it's, it's a different, it's a different animal. You just have to know what your strengths are and you've got to, in my opinion, If you know what your strengths are, I want you to go to your weaknesses and try to make those weaknesses even better because then you'll become a more complete golfer.
0: They say a good pro knows his weaknesses. There you go. Um, You talked about your students, and I'm I'm interested um, because of the science and technology part of our shows always. Do you employ any technology to help your students improve their game?
4: Yes, I do, of course. Um, I'm a big statistician. All right. uh, I, use, I, use, um, I use Game Golf, which is a game shot tracking device, mm-hmm. uh, which tells you exactly how far and where you hit each shot on the golf course. Everything is plotted out GPS through um, through satellites and through your clubs. And then also, you know, I'm a TrackMan user. Uh, I just decided to get uh, MySwing, which is a 3D motion capture. Oh. Interesting
0: uh, you mentioned TrackMan because that was the uh, technology that Dr. That Dr. Phil, Phil Cheatham was using, yes. the 3D and analytics, etc.
4: Yes. Um, the TrackMan is really good because it gives you club data and ball data mm. in certain conditions, uh, whether it be humid and hot cold, it tells you exactly what's happening, uh, from, I believe a foot before the golf ball with the golf club to impact. And then a foot after, wow. and then it reads, it reads, uh, it reads the ball and the club data. Does know, it give you all the, the,
0: the, the, is it the D plane, the, the, the angle of approach before impact, et cetera, et cetera. And Mm-hmm.
4: all of it club face closure uh, it might even give you your social security number if you program right it. I was going to say can it can it also
2: <laughs> give you <laughs> my sperm count <laughs> <laughs> It can can do
4: that. I think there's a button on that one. There's a button for
2: sperm count, right? Rob, don't encourage him. Please don't encourage him. (laughs) Uh, Hey, let me ask you this since we're talking about equipment. Um, (laughs) He's off. You see what I did there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You see what I did there? Okay, all right. But anyway, (laughs) uh, I I would like to know um, uh, what technological advances in clubs, uh, the balls, or. Anything, uh, uh, even the greens, have have made this game that much better. So uh, when you think about, I mean, golf has been around for, I mean, forever. I mean, come on, let's. Yeah. So you know, from wooden clubs to all the way up until now. So what has been the primary technological advancement in equipment that has? Cause the game to become so much uh, bigger than it
0: is. You're thinking well, golf buggy, but let's yes. rub l- answer. Yeah, you know all I'm right, thinking no, I'm golf sorry.
4: cart. it's yeah. all of the above. I mean, it's the shaft, it's the club head, it's the golf ball. You know, the club heads nowadays, you can have any type of head that you that you want to get on there, hit the ball high, to hit the ball low, to hit the ball with more spin, less spin. Uh, the shafts, uh, you know, equal that too. Uh, and then the golf ball is, uh, you know, the USGA is putting limits on what they can do. With, uh-huh. uh, you know, with club design and golf ball design, because if they let these engineers just keep going, you'd see guys hitting the ball 500 yards.
2: And guess what? What's wrong with that? That's what Nothing I'm. Nothing is wrong with exactly, that. exactly, <laughs> man. So well, the that, thing,
0: the thing is for me. I mean, the people I speak to about the the golf club technology, they said the clubs probably gone as far as it can. But the real major developments have taken place with the balls themselves and particularly the coating that's on them.
4: Yeah, I mean, the coating has something to do with it. And don't forget the USGA, you know, they limit how much the the club face can rebound. Right. So, you know, the more that you have that rebound effect off the club face, the farther you're going to hit the ball like a trampoline. Absolutely. um, You know, it's one of those things where I like kind of them kind of keeping the playing fields level although it would be interesting to see if they just allowed them to do whatever they wanted to do, how far a human could hit the ball.
2: Yeah, I think that that's, uh, that's, that's where the excitement is. People love that. People mm-hmm. want to see oh, that.
4: Totally yeah. do. They totally do.
2: Hey, so let me ask you this. Um, who's the best golfer today, and why are they the best golfer today? And in following up with that, Tiger Woods was such a phenom. Was it his game or the fact that he just looked different?
4: Uh, OK, so let's see. Um, Tiger Woods played a few tournaments, you know, with Tiger Woods in the field, uh 2 3 10. Um, he had an intimidation factor. I mean, I, I'll never forget the first major I played in 2002 at uh, the PGA at Hazeltine. And I got a chance to hit balls next to Tiger. Um, you know, it, it was impressive. He, first of all, he's got a. He was an alpha male. Um, he had a. he just had this this. Aura about him—you can feel an energy coming off of him. That's just—he uh, knew he was better, and he knew he was great. And we all knew he was the greatest. You know, it's it, again—it goes down to confidence.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, I would—I would love to see you know Tiger to, to watch what he did uh, in his span when he was the greatest was just totally impressive in what he did for the game. Okay, um, absolutely. You know, it, it, just to see it, and to see how Mr. Nicholas got even scared uh, a little bit looked like to see how his records were going to be you know, broken um, until, you know, obviously Tiger uh, had some problems. Right. Um, Yeah. But uh, you know, other than that, he, he had a thing about him. I, I didn't think there was anybody better.
0: Okay. Uh, So who's the best, who's the best today then? Yeah. Interesting to see who, who's got the crown right now.
4: You know, it's, you can look at the world golf rankings and, you know, the world golf rankings, I guess they have Dustin Johnson ranked as number one, Matsuyama as number two, and Jordan beast number three and Rory's number four. So you have all these guys who are, you know, world beaters it's hard to pick a, uh, you know, uh, a number one player because golf's such a sport where, you know, you're going to get hot for a few weeks and you're going to play great. And then it just happens, you know, like you cool down. Mm -hmm. You just, you just do. You either get mentally tired or whatever happens. It's really hard in this sport to maintain, you know, this, this level of just crushing it, you know, for months on end. Gotcha. So, you know, it's kind of—it's a hard question to ask. I'm sorry, I'm kind of dancing around it. No, no. I think no, what no, you're no, saying is you're, actually really insightful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting
0: because it, there's, it just says, like, for for a month, somebody is absolutely on it, and then they might just float away, and someone else picks up and takes over. So you, you're actually making a valid point rather than saying something that's not true.
2: Yeah, it kind of sounds to me like it's—it's it's more of a mental burnout thing.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah, it almost is. I mean. You know, especially the guys on a tour, you look at, a, at like Jordan Spieth, the year he had last year where he almost, uh, you know, won the, won the four majors. What was it, last year or the year before? He almost won the four majors, uh, mm-hmm. and it looked like every tournament that he played in, you know, he was going to dominate. You know, he dominated Isleworth. I think he shot like 26 under for four rounds there. And if you guys have ever played Isleworth in Orlando, yeah, that's not an easy feat to go around 26 under par in four rounds. That's a
2: hard golf course. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry. I only play
0: at Trump courses. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, Rob. I'll deal with this off air. Um, So it's interesting. To to go back to that point, for someone with longevity, and I'll just pick Phil Mickelson, to, to see the amount of times that guy has parked up to the high end of the leaderboard over so many years. When we're talking about the fluctuation of form, to see consistency like that, that, that to me is something that's probably as impressive as anything else.
4: Yeah, definitely. I think what you said is, it hits the nail on the head, um, the longevity of these guys. So, if I, again, if I'm going to pick a great player, uh, I'd have to say something like Phil Mickelson because he's been doing it for so long. He's, mm-hmm. he's my age. He's 46 now uh, or 47 and he's been winning tournaments since he was in college.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, I
4: mean, you think about that, that's 20 some odd years, almost 30 years of longevity. So uh, that's, and, you know, barring injuries. I mean, you think about all the times you have to have practice and all the hours that you spend hitting golf balls. It's not the most, you know, gracious thing to do to your body. Yeah. So to be able to to hold your body together and then compete at a huge world worldwide level and, and win all the time over that 30-year span yeah. is just incredible.
2: Well, wow. hey, that is that I never thought of it that way, but that is really incredible. Yeah. Hey, listen, so listen, uh, we got to wrap things up, but before we go, Rob, I have to ask you one super serious question, okay? And and that is this. What do caddies really do? And is the caddy responsible for washing the players' balls?
4: Ah, <laughs> oh, so the, so the caddies are are <laughs>
0: You're treating this question seriously, Rob. Don't do it.
2: No, I am serious.
4: I'm gonna do it. I'm, I'm gonna do it. I hear. I'm gonna get a little, a little fuzzy with it, but you know, here's a perfect example. Um, you know, you got a guy like Bones McKay, who's who's caddy for Phil for a long time. Um, when you become uh, a, with a player and you're with a player for so long, you're gonna give him a lot more help. You know, you're there to keep him calm. You're there to do the yardages. You're there to know how far it, it is to certain bunkers, to certain trees. You're there to know the lay of the land, the greens, take care of the clubs. As far as, you know, you know, pulling, you know, clubs for your, for your player, you're not going to do that. You're going to talk about it with your player. Okay. And th- from a player standpoint on my side, you know, it's nice to have somebody that you can kind of just brush an idea off of. Uh, okay. Well, the wind's up a little bit here. You know, I normally hit seven, eighty five. winds up. Should we go for the six? You know, what do you think? Or if, if you're looking at a green and you're looking at it and you say, okay, well, I see it going a little left to right. What do you think? Gotcha. Um, they're there kind of just to be a, a sounding board and they're there to keep you calm and they're there to be your friend. Uh, and that's really what, you, what they do. And then when you get a good partnership, I've been with my caddy now for, for almost nine years and uh, we've got a nice thing going. We understand each other and it's it's very calm out in that
2: Well, Rob, thank oh, you. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I need a caddy in my life. <laughs>
0: We all do. I need a life I need a life caddy after that. Yeah, well we're working on that one. I'm sure they a website for that. Yeah, yeah, they probably have, you're right. Rob, thanks so much um for your time. Been fabulous. Uh yeah, we look forward to getting you back and talking more golf at some point in the future. So Chuck, okay. I, that's I mean Golf may not be everybody's sport, but you can see why it grips people and they become addicted. Yeah. The science, the, the biomechanics, mm-hmm. the technology that we're finding employed by golfers and by coaches now is uh, is breathtaking. And like I said, you know, we might find big, muscly golfers hitting the ball 500 yards. Now, that will change the sport completely. Absolutely. This was
2: really a fascinating show. I really enjoyed it. it. I have to tell you this much. Uh, After talking about golf all this time, I'm just saying I feel like a rich white man. So I'm very, very happy for that.
0: Oh, dear. All right. Oh boy. Uh, all right. While our listeners, yeah, Rob, thank you. While our listeners come to terms with Chuck's new image <laughs> crisis, uh, that's it. This has wait, been Playing wait. With Science, and uh, Chuck's just getting a call. Look, I'm actually off now to go do a few real estate deals on the golf course right now. Yes, I am. Yes, he is. Yes. Um, feeling very white. Feeling very white. Okay, well, Chuck comes to grip with his new image crisis. We'll say goodbye. That's it from Flying Science. Hope you've enjoyed our show, and uh, we look forward to it soon.
1: Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? (laughs) Yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format,